We've talked to artists who always knew they wanted to be artists and others who had no idea that they would become one. Sometimes you have a feeling in your gut that you're meant to be something more than your surroundings and even when no one around you can see that vision, you still have to believe in it and put that work in. And like most things in life, if you put enough time and effort into something, you'll get results back. Today's guest always knew he wanted to be an artist, but had a hard time pushing himself to do what he needed to to achieve that dream. It was one day that life hit him so hard that he finally realized he had to change his life and chase that dream to make it a reality. Welcome to the Marginal Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Johnson, and this is episode 10, Ben. My name is Ben Avlis. I am from a little town called Fall River, Massachusetts. It's about 20 minutes outside of Boston and like a suburb city kind of thing. It's uh, it used to be the uh, textile pioneer times during the late 1800s of America. Uh, Lizzie Borden, actually, if anyone knows about Lizzie Borden, the murderer, <laughs> the supposed murderer that killed her parents. Uh, again, not officially said that she's a murderer, but, you know, it's uh, that was the story. Ben has been living in Fall River since he was born, and he still runs his art studio out of an old mill within the city. So what was your childhood like? What did you and your friends get into uh, in Fall River? Uh, growing up here, uh, I always had a lot of friends. Um, so there was always something to do. Like, we were big video game kids, so we always played video games and whatnot. But uh, ever since I can remember when I was even a baby, I mean, my mom has told me, and I have photos of it to prove it, of how I would just draw constantly. Like, that's all I've ever done. It's all I've ever wanted to do. And especially with my friends where we would kind of make these, like, comic books throughout school, making fun of uh, ourselves and putting, you know, other students in it. And we would make up these storylines and pass them on throughout classes. So, like, I would f- only draw five panels, pass it to a friend. He would draw the next five panels in his class, and then the next class you'd pass it to another friend, and so on and so forth. And at the end of the day, we would look at this comic book to see how many uh, different editions that we all did and just crack the hell up. And that became the norm throughout school all the time. So growing up, that was always a part of my life, was some kind of comic book thing. <laughs> like, you know, always, always making cartoons of each other and making fun of stuff. Comics and cartoons definitely still have an effect on Ben today, as his art still has that comic book, wacky feeling to it, uh, no matter what medium he works in, whether it's drawings, paintings, whatever. Do you still have any of the comics you and your friends would make together? Um, I have, geez, I want to say like only two or three, but there's a friend of mine uh, that was a big part of this that last time I had seen him, he surprised me by showing me this bag of... God, I want to say it was over a hundred of these comics. And he's like, I kept almost all of them. And I was like, oh my God. And I was going through these and I couldn't believe it. I I, I was astounded <laughs> that he kept those things. And, you know, uh, talk about the ultimate time capsule. Holy crap. And and growing up, was your family supportive of your art or how were they? That's interesting because they they always were like i was always told like i was good at what i did and they always complimented me always like i never i was never discouraged to to do art but growing up uh again in this town and for a lot of people like it's probably the last thing you'd want to tell someone to do growing up here is to become an artist you'd want them to 
probably get a better job, which my parents always encouraged. They always wanted me to be more stable, which I totally understand, you know, for the sake of my survival. So I wouldn't have to worry about struggling as a struggling artist because, you know, it's not very well known here. Like, uh, you, that's a New York thing or whatever, as people would say. So it didn't really become the, the priority. So over time, which again, I appreciate them so much now for the, for the fact that, uh, I've just proven to them that I love doing it. That's all I want to do. That's all I'm going to do. And they've given me nothing but support now. So, uh, again, they, it was just tough for any, anybody, even my other friends that were good artists and stuff. It really wasn't pushed even by their families is just only because of they want the best for you. And sometimes the best for you is a nine to five Monday through Friday job. You see this a lot when it comes to making an art career and it makes sense. It's, it's hard to make a living in the art world, especially back then when you didn't have the online resources you have today, but that's the hard part about life. It's how do you turn what you love into an income that you can live off of so that you can enjoy every single day of your life. I wasn't very good in high school. I was always an AB student all the way up to middle school. And then middle school, I started becoming a C student. And then once I got to my high school, I just became pretty much an F student. Yeah. Not because of didn't, uh, I didn't understand the work. I did. I just, the school was so big. It was like 3,000 plus students in the school. So I went from like these small schools to this gigantic <laughs> like city of a school where you weren't really focused on as a, as an yeah. individual. It was like, which is understandable because, you know, these teachers are dealing with so many kids. And so the system was like so overwhelming for someone like me where I just kind of slipped through the cracks. It's not that Ben wasn't a smart kid. He was. It was just a fact that he had to struggle so hard to pay attention. What was it that made it so hard for you to focus, do you think? So, like, I always knew I had very bad attention. Like, I could not keep my attention for the life of me, especially when it came to being uh, a teen. Hmm. I just, you know, I, if I'm not interested in it, I could not absorb the information. So, I noticed in high school specifically was because of the energy of the teachers was was just totally different. They weren't engaging enough for me so i just wasn't interested so my mind would wander and i would start doodling and before you know it that would be the class and i just draw ben wouldn't find out till much later in life that he was actually suffering from adhd but at the time growing up teachers just made it seem like to his parents that he was just a slacker kid who didn't pay attention and there was no talk of uh ADD at that time, you know, there was, it was just that if you weren't paying attention, you were a slacker. Yeah. And every time my teachers would speak to my parents or speak to my guidance counselor about my situation, it was always told that I was slacking off. I wasn't paying attention. I don't care. Um, uh, he's purposely not engaging because he's trying to rebel. And it really wasn't that at all. It's just, yeah. I just couldn't keep my attention. So uh, I, I know now, obviously, uh, I can be real with it that I'm, I'm terribly ridden, riddled with ADHD. Like I'm, it's, it's so bad. Like I, I can barely keep my focus on <laughs> anything still. And at least I know now that's what my problem is. But back then that was, 
that was not even talked about. So I was just considered a slacker. And how did it make you feel to be labeled this way when you knew it wasn't true? Um, I knew for sure that every time it was pointed that I was a slacker or could have gave a damn, I knew in my heart that I, that wasn't true. And I tried to explain that. And I would always say like, you don't understand. I, I don't, I can't focus. I can't, I don't like, it's not that I don't care, but it's making me not care because I can't focus on this. These teachers could, you know, I only had like, I want to say three teachers out of the four years that I was actually engaged with. Like I could actually listen to them and absorb the information only because they were interesting to me. And, uh, like, like for instance, like history, I never cared about until it was my senior year for a specific teacher that just knew how to talk about history just right, that it made me pay attention. And out of all the classes I got to be out of all the other classes that I got D's and F's in. So it was like, it spoke for itself that it was the, it was the source of information that changed everything. So when I came to being judged by that, but especially by your own teachers and your guidance counselor, that are just telling you, you know, just go, if you don't do the work, we're going to, you know, there's going to be repercussions. And it was always like, that's not fair. Like, it's not that I don't, you know, once again, it's, I did, I did care, but I didn't care. So it's, (laughs) you know, it's, it is what it is. I, I definitely struggled. Being told he didn't care or that he was a slacker ended up having a, reverse effect on him like when you tell a kid he shouldn't do something so he wants to do it even more ben was able to graduate and then went on to university he signed up to take graphic design which seems like what most artists take when they go i think it has to do with it being seen as a more creative field and a way to have a steady job and income off of you know being creative of course it wasn't too long before ben just got uninterested and I mean, in reality, he didn't even want to go to school to begin with, so of course he wasn't interested. I would have rather worked or, uh, you know, went and did art on my own kind of thing, but once again, it wasn't really enforced, so uh, school was pretty much, I had no choice to go to college, so, and I chose graphic design as my only option there that my family said that when you go, you got to pick something, so I picked graphic design, but the issue was... I never got to do the artwork. It was just liberal arts. So it was biology and math and uh, literature and all this stuff. And I had one drawing class and it was only once every week, I think, uh, compared to all the other classes where I had them all week. And it was just like, this sucks. And I just went from one thing that I barely made it out of from high school. And I'm going into a whole other thing that was the same stuff. So I just... I couldn't focus and I, and I pretty much failed. And as disappointing as it was to, to my mother specifically, it was, that was tough, but I, um, I survived and I'm glad that I didn't stick through it. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't turn back. Well, now that Ben was not going to college, I was interested to know what his plan was. What was he, how was he going to turn his art dreams into a reality? Uh, while I was at that First semester, uh, I already had a job at CVS Pharmacy, which is uh, like a you know your basic pharmacy mm-hmm. chain. So that was my very first official on the books job. So I did that for I want to say a year. So I was doing that in the in the meantime when I ended up dropping out of school. So I just focused on working full time. Had a girlfriend full time, pretty much just like that whole we both 
graduated together and we're just looking forward to the future kind of bullshit. And I knew during that whole time that artwork was always going to be the thing. Like I, ever since I was a little kid, that's what I would say. It was always something to do with art. It was, I was going to be in art. I was going to be an animator or a comic book artist or something involving in it somehow. So that was always on my mind while I was in the downs, I guess you could say of, of being bummed out while working in that shitty job and just being like, you know what? I want to be an artist, but sadly, even the girlfriend and you know, the family of the girlfriend were just like artwork. Like, that's what you're going to do. You can't do that for a living. Like you can't, you can't do that. Like you got to get a job. And it was always like, okay, but I do have a job and this is good enough for now. And of course that's not good enough for the future of, of a family and all that shit. So it was yeah. like, okay. So once again, it was always the struggle of trying to believe in myself of like, I'm going to do art and I don't care what anybody says. And how was the support from your family at the time? Uh, no, no, not at all. Because to speak for, for them on this part, which I totally understand is, uh, I wasn't showing any form of, uh, of drive to doing art. That's the other thing is that I would, it was in my head and I was doing it on my own. Like I was doodling and I was drawing, but I didn't have a true focus even for myself. So, uh, that's why I'm sure, uh, I didn't get the fullest of support because I wasn't proving it even to myself, never mind to people that did care about me. That's the thing they cared. It's not that they were doing it to be mean. They, they just wanted the best for me. And obviously they wanted to see me succeed in, and if I had to choose something mediocre compared to unique, then they would rather see that. But I knew the struggle would be real if I tried. So once I did decide to fully go for artwork, which took a long time, my life changed completely. Like still to this day, it changes almost every day because of just following the art, you know? While he was working his day job at CVS, Ben and his girlfriend of four years would break up. This would end up being the first time he had to deal with real heartbreak and realizing for himself that not everything would work out and he needed to try harder at what he loved, and that was art. My brother, again, is seven years older. He had uh, a studio space that he had abandoned, and it was like this big mill, like this old abandoned mill. Uh, that was just turned into practice spaces for bands. And he had this space there and I went there for the first time knowing about this place for for years and years. So uh, I finally got to have access to this. And as soon as I walked in, I was just like, whoa, and artwork everywhere and, you know, uh, musical equipment and shit. And, and, and the vibe of people that were hanging out was amazing. It was just all these different kinds of people and, and music. It was just, uh, it was incredible changed my life completely when it came to having a new circle of 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 culture and and everything so i started to realize at that moment that not only did i have that drive to be like i'm going to be an artist but i was surrounded for the first time by others just like me it was there was artists there was musicians there was just it was everything at this art community is where Ben would meet one of his lifelong friends and still studio mate, Sean. So I met someone specifically, my friend Sean, through this place, and we became pretty close, like like immediately. And he was an artist. He was a graffiti artist. 
And it was one of the first times that somebody actually gave a damn about me being an artist. So I would draw and do stuff while I was down at this practice space or whatever, just by chilling. And he'd always be like, Hey, uh, like checking out my art and whatever. And I, and I looked up to his art. That was the thing. I really respected what he did. And he would look at my stuff and be like, yeah, you should try markers. You should try paint. You should try whatever. And he was the first person ever in my life to actually encourage to try other things and actually consider me an artist. And I'd always tell him, and I don't know why, and I'm still always like confused of like what my attitude was towards this, but it was just like, I didn't like, I wanted to be an artist, but at that time I felt like being called an artist was not good. Like, I, I, I don't know why it was just like, no, oh, I'm not an artist yet. And he'd always be like, come on, dude, snap out of it. You're an artist, pursue it, like get over yourself. So, uh, for those years from God, I want to say the solid six years of us hanging out down there, uh, my art skills just got better and better. I, I started really focusing on it. While this town was great for Ben, and it helped him grow as an artist, it didn't do much in the way of helping him make a living off his art. Ben tells me that this was mostly due to him only focusing on the love of the art and the craft and not so much the business side of things and trying to make sales. So Ben had to face reality and soon get a new job, which would end up consuming most of his life. Uh, so sadly, in 2005, actually, it wasn't 2006, it was 2005, I became a fucking mailman <laughs> and i was i did the postal work to just it, it wasn't for me it was it was for everybody else to just prove that look i'm gonna be okay financially and don't worry about me and and artwork became on the back burner like even almost forgotten like it was and i'm and i still think of this to this day of like holy shit i can't believe i'd let that happen and I just focused on being a mailman and that was it. And how did you feel while working at the post office? Oh, I felt like a complete drone. I felt like I was part of this insane system because <laughs> it was, it was great, but also so strange when it came to how it was run. And at that time it was different too compared to what it is now from what I've gathered. Cause I still know some people that work for the post office and a lot has changed, but at that time it was just so strange. It was, and I loved being a mail carrier. That was my favorite was walking the beat pretty much and just delivering mail on your foot. It was, it was amazing. I love those days, but those days weren't guaranteed. You were just moved around so much. Like I'd be all over the place as it, and you were, I was a casual carrier, which it was called at the time, which you only earned like the minimum and you'd be working like 60 hour weeks. And it was just, it was, it was and, and again, I, I didn't want to be doing that in the first place. I was only doing it cause it was good money. And it was looked at as though it was good. It was like, Oh, look, he's got a federal job. Like that's cool. And didn't mean shit to me, honestly. And it still doesn't mean shit to me when I look at it. It was a, it was a great experience for the for doing the mail, but I wasn't pursuing anything that made me happy at all. It was all money and no happiness. Ben would go on to tell me how he ended up leaving the post office. Basically, the whole time he was working his ass off to be promoted, they sort of kept moving the goalpost, so he would always end up having to spend more time trapped in this sort of new guy training period. So after they added another six months before he could take the test to get promoted, he had had enough. He was feeling underappreciated and realized he was putting all this time and energy into this job he didn't even want. 
So he decided he was going to put in his two weeks and chase that art once again. Something literally snapped in my mind of going, you're, you already knew, like a voice was telling me, you already knew you weren't supposed to be here. So what the fuck are you doing? Don't worry about it. Just get out of here. And it was that easy. And I felt so relieved. But to this day, there's moments that I go like, I don't feel guilty about the post office again. I don't care about that. It's just there's moments where I go, what the hell? Holy shit, that took like some guts. And I sometimes wish I had those guts for other things, you know? Ben then set out for California to get inspiration, get his mind out of this rut, and to create more art. I looked at my my funds, and I had like a few thousand dollars saved. And I decided, because um, I had a friend, the the actual, the, the same friend I had mentioned before that had uh, all of those comic books saved. Uh, that exact friend had moved to California about four years prior to that. So he had been living there and had uh, always offered me a place to stay. So if I ever wanted to visit California, he said, come on down, I'll stay as long as you want, whatever. So in that moment, I had talked to him and said, holy shit, dude, I had just quit the post office. And he's like, what? Like, oh my God, what are you going to do? And I was just like, well, I don't know if you're still interested, but is it cool if I come down there and it hit me like again like like a ton of bricks was just like i'm going to take like a sabbatical and just disappear for three months and work on artwork and that's it i'm just going to take three solid months i offered myself like a thousand dollars a month to live if i had to pay rent for him and all this stuff i i, I budgeted and everything went there to pursue my art again and and i knew that's what i needed to do and he 100 he was like yes like whenever you're ready. So I want to say uh, two months later, I went to California. And what was California like uh, once you got there? So I went there. It was a place called Burson, California, which is a very off the grid kind of town. Um, it's like, I want to say a half an hour away from everything to an hour. So if you wanted to go food shopping, like you're, you're in the middle of nowhere. So it was awesome. I was like, man, this is what I need. Like I went from city to nothing and I just needed that for my head. So, uh, we settled in, I settled in for the first week, got to meet, uh, some of his family that was there and settled in pretty well, to be honest. Like I was very comfortable and I started to draw, uh, for that first week of, of being there. So I, I actually went there on August 1st. I'll never forget it. Uh, August 1st, 2006. Then something unexpected happened that would change Ben's life forever. And on August 14th, we went food shopping to get our supplies for the week. And uh, on like uh, a main road that was about, I want to say minimum speed limits, like 60 miles an hour on this road. My friend had pulled out onto this road, not paying attention. And we got T-boned by a car going about at least 50 miles an hour. Uh, T-boned us and I woke up uh, to a car smoldering. The car was burning, not fully in, in flames, but I woke up just confused. Not no, I was in the, I was a passenger seat and I was pulled out of this car by a uh, by a pedestrian telling me that I was injured. And I looked over to my friend that who was driving and he was completely out snoring, blood pouring out of his head. And I'm like, oh, my God, like I, and I just my life changed completely just from that moment and my legs were completely covered in blood. I didn't, 
I couldn't feel them at first when I was, I could walk, but I couldn't feel them. And I remember getting laid down on the road and just staring at this car and they had the, uh, what do you call it? The uh, uh, Jaws of Life uh, machine, this big like claw that they used to pry open the door to get my friend out because they were saying that he may not make it. And I was just like, oh my God. And I did just this reality of what's happening. Uh, thinking like he's going to die. I don't know if my legs are going to be okay. Uh, and I looked over to the car that had hit us. It was an SUV with a family in it. There was a mother and uh, three children. And they were, I remember someone yelling, there's a baby, there's a baby in the car. And I was like, oh my God, like what happened? It's over. Like, I just remember thinking like, what, I don't, whatever happened, it's over. <laughs> like I, but luckily my friend survived and everyone was okay in that other car, including the baby. And I had to be flown by a helicopter because they were concerned about my legs and my head. And, uh, ever since then, my life has been different. Like, because again, I went out there to focus on something good and I couldn't have expected that. I mean, but that's what life's all about. That's, and I'm so grateful that I'm, I'm almost glad that it happened because it changed my life for the better. It's like to this day, as much as, as much as it didn't physically, I'm dealing with issues to this day, but, um, it changed my life for the best, I think for appreciating things. And what happened after that? Did you return home or, or were you, how long did you have to stay in California, uh, recovering? So I was put in a helicopter right in the, I can't remember the town that we were in, but it took about and a half an hour, I think, was the helicopter ride. It was it was a long ride. I remember it was it took a long time. I had to go to a I think it was Sacramento Hospital, which was very far away to where we were. So I was rushed there. Uh I re- I just remember being in the helicopter. I'll I'll never forget it as clear as day, man. I'm just looking up at this like light on the top of the helicopter and from the inside it was so loud and they had these headphones on me. And uh this woman in the back uh had she looked over and like looked down at me and tapped on her headphones to let me know that she was going to talk to me. And I looked at her and I, and I was like strapped to the board. And I remember just like kind of just nodding ish at her. And she's like, Hey, are you okay? And I could hear her through the, the speakers on my, on the headphones. And I just remember like, yes, I'm, I'm okay. And she's like, are you sure? Like you can talk. It's you're probably in shock and it's okay. And then I just remember having this realization of like how not only lucky I am, (laughs) even if my legs were fucked, I I was just like, okay, I'm going to be okay. Like I'm all right. But also just having that, that moment of, wow. Like I literally had a life flash before my eyes when right before that car hit us, like I, it actually happened. I just remember feeling like I got nothing done my entire life. Like at that moment, looking at the, the grill of that truck. And I just remember going, no. And at that moment, just realizing like you haven't done enough. You're not living your life fully. You're not appreciating things. And that's all I was thinking about was that moment. And the helicopter was remembering that moment over and over and over, even in the hospital. When I got there, I just couldn't think of anything but that. And I felt okay. That's the thing is I felt like I was going to be okay. And they told me my, uh, my right leg had gotten uh, a bunch of nerve damage and they said that I'm going to have to keep an eye on it, whatever. And my other leg, same thing, all nerve damage and bruising. 
I was so lucky to not have a broken legs or paralysis, anything. I'm so lucky. And I was told while I was there that my friend was going to be okay. He just had a really bad concussion, broken ribs. Um, and I was, uh, sutured up. I had a bunch of cuts on my legs and I had a concussion as well. So I was told I had to go back to my friend's mother's house. She had to keep an eye on us that very night. So we were left, we left the hospitals, both of us. We went to separate hospitals. He was picked up. I was picked up. We were brought to his mother's house and we had to stay under observation because we had concussions. So she had to take care of us. But I remember having the offer to go home and I chose no, I, I chose to stay. I, I, I promised myself, I said, I came here for a mission and I'm not going to leave until I at least fill in one sketchbook. I had brought a, a, a brand new sketchbook with me and a bunch of uh, Prisma color, colored pencils and uh, a new pack of pens. And I promised that I was going to use them to the fullest and get at least one sketchbook done while I was there, which, which I did. I was very proud of that in the end. This moment in Ben's life was a tragic experience, but it lit a fire beneath him. He saw his life flash before his eyes and he didn't like what he saw. He wanted to change his ways and, and start pushing the art more and become an actual artist, do what he always said he wanted to do. But one thing still stood in his way, and that was himself. So I had come back on um, November 1st. Uh, so that was the solid three-month period that I was there. Um, came back with almost like a sense of, I don't want to say like, it was enlightenment, but also a, a, a feeling of self-doubt 100% of that, even with that vision that I had and, and, and just that feeling that wouldn't go away. And I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Even with that, I still had that fear of self-doubt that I couldn't do what I'm supposed to do, that I, that I'm not good enough and that I'm, uh, it's going to take a lot of work and, uh, and no matter what, no one's ever going to respect what I do. And like, and just coming to that realization of like, shit, I, I still want to do this, but, but if my life is this short and this precious, like which path do I choose? Do I choose what I love with a huge risk of, of failure, judgment and whatever, or do I choose the, the basic safe path of being secure and getting something, you know, that's going to take care of my life financially and whatever, medically. And at what moment did you finally say, Hey, like I have to push this hard. Otherwise I'll, I'll just never be happy. That was the biggest moment. I would say that to this day is possibly the greatest moment of, of what started art for me. Like truly what really made it chiseled in stone was that moment of in 2008, uh, I had been, so my friend, Sean, that I brought up earlier that I had met at my brother's old studio, he was the graffiti artist. So I had been hanging out with him solid ever since that moment. So throughout those years, I would hang out at his house and we would do doodles together. We would draw all the time. I'd be drawing something ridiculous, something funny, but it started getting serious. It just, we started getting more into it and more passionate. And he would drive me as much as I would drive him to, to make these creations so 
we were also making videos for YouTube. We were trying to like make uh, like parody videos and fake music videos. We were, it was fun shit. Like we were just having a blast. So we wanted to get a uh, a space like my brother used to have. So we decided my brother and Sean and myself, we all went together to look for a space to get for video and art. And over a few months, uh, we finally were offered a space that to this day I still have in an old mill, just like the old place, but it's like an old 1800s mill. It is where the textile shit began in Fall River. So it's got all this energy and history to it, which is amazing. And I've had it ever since. And we've been here creating since that moment. So that day when we got the studio changed my life completely. Sean's constant support for Ben and helping him push the boundaries of his art and, and to focus more on it. That's probably one of the biggest reasons Ben finally got out of his own way and let the art take over. My friend Sean, once again, credit to him for telling me to paint. And I'd never painted before, ever. And he'd be like, you've got to try paint. You've got to try paint. And I was always afraid. Ah, I don't think I'm good enough. And uh, he's like, dude, just fucking try paint. And he gave me a bunch of his leftover paints and some brushes and said, just do it. Here, just do it. And he gave me a canvas too. He's like, just do it. I'm like, all right. And I went home and I thought about it all night. Like, should I fucking attempt this? I don't know. And I can't believe I was like so afraid to put paint on a canvas. It made no sense. And then when the next day go into that studio after work and just being like, okay, today's the day. And I started painting and that was it. Changed another moment that completely changed my life. And, and how did you and Sean start to monetize the art that, that y'all were making in the studio? I am, and I'll claim this for myself, I will take full credit that I am the worst businessman <laughs> on the face of the earth. I dislike business. I don't like trying to sell. It's awful. Like I'm, And I know that's crazy to say. It's nuts to say, especially as someone that's trying to sell their artwork. Um, I still have a huge sense of guilt whenever I try to sell something. I want people to have my stuff so bad that I am I get to moments where I'm willing to just go, well, what can you afford? Because I want you to have it if you like it that much. Instead of going, hey, give me $1,000 for this painting and that's it. I'll end up going, uh, well, all right. If you really love it, then if you got 200, okay. So between me and Sean together, we were not the best of businessmen. So we had to figure out a way to not make money just on the artwork, but to, to help others. Like we were all about trying to unite other artists together so we could all make a buck and and like you're doing for the artists now for this podcast it's the same idea what we were trying to do then to unite to be a third party but a symbiotic version of that like to be like we're part of you as much as you're part of us so we can help one another so that became the main focus to help us make a buck but also to expose ourselves and other artists so that became uh, the Millbilly Art Studio, which we formed, which this was the the building. Uh, we formed this group. It was just him and I that became this other unit, like a curator. We turned our gallery space, our art studio, into a gallery where we would present artists where they would give us a few bucks 
to like, you know, uh, 30 bucks for three pieces that they could hang on the art on the art wall. And we would have an art show that was all under our control. And it was all funded by us uh, and funded by the people that submitted their work. So once again, that symbiotic relationship was perfect because they had finally a place to show their artwork. For Ben and Sean, these group exhibitions were great for the community, but they didn't do so much as far as profit, as most of the income would go back into the shows to make each one better. The real change for Ben was Instagram, where he was then able to reach a whole new world of fans and collectors. Things started really popping off on Instagram. So I, I was always told to sign up for Instagram. I'm a, I am not a social media guy. I literally detest it. Uh, I only use it for what I have to. I feel so bad sometimes where I don't check it for like a week. So when I started, uh, things were going like pretty well, I'd say for the first year I was getting some exposure from through 2016, but what changed my life completely on Instagram was the life form drawing club, which I don't think gets enough uh, respect and I don't think gets enough recognition. He started this drawing club that I couldn't believe existed. I was like, wait a minute, there's a weekly theme and we all get to participate. And if, uh, all you got to do is stay dedicated. And if, you know, if it's whatever, if it passes the test, I guess it gets posted and he'll post it and you get exposure to all these other artists that I was a huge fan of. So I'm following all these artists. And I'm like, man, these guys are fucking amazing. This is this is what I'm talking about. Like, like, so when I started, finally had the the courage to participate, that changed my life. Like, my followers were going up. Like, I just kept posting and posting. And then the moment hit where, uh, with Lifeform Drawing Club, that my exposure got huge, and people started to buy my prints online. And then I was like, wait a minute, this is this could happen we think our surroundings is our limitations like that's it like this this is all that the world is and we forget that there's other countries and cultures and people that give a shit more than you could ever imagine so once i realized that i had true fans that validation really kicked in and uh i was officially enthusiastic finally to <laughs> to keep going life is complicated how do you know what you should put your focus into for the rest of your life at the young age of 18. For a lot of people, that's a very hard question to answer. For Ben, it was easy. He wanted to be an artist. But it was having the patience and the drive to make that dream reality that held him back for so long. Luckily for Ben, and for us as fans of Ben, he didn't give up, and he finally made that dream reality, and now shares his work with the world on a daily basis for us to enjoy. I want to thank Ben for coming on to this podcast. We had an amazing conversation. And if you, the listener, enjoyed this episode, please share it with any friends you think would also enjoy it. I have a lot of extra conversations from these episodes uh, that I think are interesting, but just didn't make the final cut. So if you want to hear more interesting clips and conversations, head on over to our Patreon at patreon forward slash myartisreal and consider donating. By signing up to the Patreon, you'll be helping me continue to produce this podcast and to improve it as we go along. This is the Marginal Podcast, and I'll see you in the next episode.